And just a quick trigger warning for this episode as we do talk about suicide and self-harm. Ep five. Woo. Welcome. Welcome back, baby. Welcome back. Welcome back to the studio. <laughs> welcome back to the hot the uh hot studio. Yeah, welcome back to the fucking sauna. The sauna. This is good for you. Yeah, every then time you... I come in, Matt doesn't put the aircon on. And then he's okay, I forgot. To sit in this sweat box. <laughs> <laughs> I did forget, but um you need to remind me in the morning. Yeah, I'm gonna text you before I come over from now on. Well, I don't usually put the aircon on. Like first thing in the morning, I, I kind of because you are Italian. I saw your face when I touched the thermostat. Oh you my were like, god! Hey, don't touch the thermostat. Hey, no, 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 no. Doing? Okay, <laughs> I've got it set up in a real specific way. Yeah, way yeah. That I like. I know, I know. But also, that's you, how it works. You changed it to sixteen degrees. Yeah, because I'm trying to get this thing cool before we start the podcast. Who wants it? sixteen degrees? Is way too cold. Oh, okay, you prefer me to just like sweat yeah. and person. Yeah, and sweat exactly. Out the studio. I mean, right. that's not too bad. All right. It's well, a sweaty, it's a sweaty, stinky place. Yeah. It is now. You know. Most people don't even wear um deodorant here. Yeah, I've never worn deodorant. <laughs> Ever? <laughs> Actually, when I was when I was living in Milan for a bit, I think the diet or something. The fuck's it. I, I, I you know, if I smell, I'm like, fuck, I notice it. But yeah. I had I don't I'm not much of a sweater. And I yeah. definitely, yeah. I mean, you can try after this. Tell me if I smell yeah, or okay. not. Okay, we'll, we'll give it an hour. Sniff your armpits. I find certain um, fuck. We're already on a digression, aren't we? Uh, certain supplements can yeah. make your body like sweat and smell a bit sometimes. Yeah, I find dairy for me. Really? Yeah, I have dairy. It's because you're slight dairy, like lactose intolerant, though. Or Perhaps would you say I you're think, fully lactose intolerant. I think it's in general. I think it's, I notice sometimes, like yeah. um, yeah, it just it changes. Mm. Diets, everything. Interesting. Yeah, of course. So before we digress any further, should we get into today's topic? Yeah. Do you know what it is? Mental health. Mental health. This is going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. This was one. This was the real main one that we wanted to do. Yeah. Be, I suppose, quite open and vulnerable and honest. Well, yeah. It's with a good ourselves. No, it's a new moon today. Is it? Yeah. So let's manifest some. Um, I'm going to be doing some manifesting. So, yeah. What uh, are you going to write down? I'm not going to write down anything. I'm just going to um, take some uh, supplements and sit on the beach. Oh, supplements. Okay, <laughs> we can talk about those supplements uh, later. But let's do a check-in first. Like, mm-hmm. how are you today? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. I'm kind of like a bit tired again from the weekend. Yeah. But I'm good yeah. overall, I think. I don't uh, know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's tired because he just told me before he's had um had a bit of a social weekend. <laughs> You've gone. You've gone to it's one or a, two parties. It's been a bit of a social weekend. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's never ends. It's summertime. It's hard. Summertime. To like, it's hard to say no. Yeah. Okay. Well, he doesn't want to go any deeper into that. I can see his face. But um, <laughs> and you and you, Matt, how are you going? I'm good. I've just been in Melbourne for the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw our families, which was really really fucking nice. We yep. Saw my parents. I saw two friends. Saw Lola's parents. Went to a couple of nice cafes, did some work, did some business meetings, did all the things. Yeah, uh, it would be nice to get out. It was good. I haven't been out of 
expiring since September last year. So it was a good little uh, mindset, I suppose, reset. Holy shit. Dude, I haven't been out of buying for three weeks and I'm like struggling. Really? I need to like get get out for a yeah. bit. Yeah. It, it's, do you know what? It was the first time going back to Melbourne that I thoroughly enjoyed being back in Melbourne mm-hmm. just for the change of my, I don't know, maybe change of pace or for my mental health or not thinking about, you know, because this is home. So this now I kind of associate being here with working and stressing and all those kinds of things. And Melbourne felt a bit like a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. So, and then when I did kind of come back, I had to catch myself real quick of like getting back into like any negative thoughts that I had mm-hmm. prior to leaving or stresses with work. So I had a really massive work week mm-hmm. last week Yeah, and I was quite stressed about it. And as soon as I kind of landed back, I was so happy to come back to Byron. But then I was like, oh, fuck, no, I got to get back into work life and stress life. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a nice little reset. Nice little reset. But yeah, it was interesting just to take note of, yeah, I suppose my, my thoughts and mental health and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, fully. What would you say your mental health score is out of 10 this week? Seven. Seven? Mm-hmm. So you're quite happy. This is like average. Average? A little bit happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Seven's all right. Yeah, okay. Um, I would probably say I'm like, uh, do you know what? I'll, I'll give it a seven as well, actually. I'm mm-hmm. going to join the seven bandwagon. Okay. Um, which is like, it's like, it's not bad, but it's not like amazing, but it's just kind of like right in the middle of, of like happy but not too depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything below like a five, you're in the shitter. Yeah. And between five, I feel like a 10 is like not achievable for me. Yeah, probably the, like the, the um certain moments. Yeah, yeah, like passing moments of uh, ecstasy. Yeah. All right. So this week is Mental Health Week, as we did say at the very start of the episode. Um, I definitely talk about this quite a lot, like with my friends, you know, uh, my family, everyone around me. I always kind of check in with everyone. Um, but you not so much online. Online, you not so much. Not so much. Um. In real life, you do a little bit, but sometimes it takes a bit of coaxing out of you because you're like, I don't want to talk about it or you feel like you burden other mm, people. Yeah. Um, which you got to stop that. It's also because I am generally in a pretty good headspace. Totally. Because of the work that I have done. Yeah. And when I go through those darker patches, it's kind of like, I'm not going to sit here and say like it's something, I do talk to friends about it. Yeah. Maybe I actually get sick of it. Uh, I get sick of talking about it sometimes because gotcha. it's usually something quite specific that's getting me down. Yeah, and then like I'm having that conversation over, over and over, over and over, like housemates, family, brothers, yeah. like friends, and then yeah. it's just like get to a point where like fuck, repeating yeah. this doesn't fix anything. It's just gotcha. like you're just renumerating the same thing. Yeah, out loud, and that's like renumeration is like the worst thing ever. Yeah, when you're going through something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that like cycle of thoughts. Yeah. Um. When did you first notice that you had something that you needed to address or a sign or you needed to work on your mental health? Like what was your first time in life? Honestly, when I was like in primary school. Yeah. I remember being really fucking depressed. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it stemmed from like my my home life. Mm. And I just felt like I couldn't connect with sometimes I'd have yeah, I'd have periods where I couldn't connect with other kids. And yeah. I would felt like I don't know, I felt like just so alone and depressed which is so weird yeah i didn't obviously know what the hell was going on i'm talking yeah. about like middle of primary school like yeah. early nine you know nine ten years old yeah um and it's yeah 
it's not something to, I actually understood and got to address until I was like, yeah, mid-teens, really. Mm. Yeah. Did someone pull you aside and say? No, I think it just got out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Circumstances and whatnot in my life got to a point, to a tipping point and then, mm. yeah. Yeah. So did you, did you know what you were feeling or did you know what it was called? Did you know that you had potentially something that needed some help or some work on? Like was the term depression and mental health and stuff like thrown around no, around I mean, you? My memories of it aren't that vivid, but I do remember feeling as like a kid not wanting to be here anymore. Mm. And I remember that was like a really dark, like feeling like I just want to not be here. Yeah, I just didn't, I felt like I wasn't, on the same like bandwidth as like my friends or like yeah. other kids and I just felt like I was like operating on a whole different fucking spectrum and I was just like I don't want to op- I don't want to be around anymore mm. and, I, and that was like a really heavy thing that I went through and I don't think I've ever told anyone that before <laughs> yeah but yeah it was actually quite young and, and yeah I think it was much related to my home life at that point in time mm. so triggered by family by parents mm. by just I suppose your circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't just something that existed within you. It was definitely like triggered by it, maybe outside. I think so. Yeah. 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 And without really understanding, like when you are a child, you just don't understand. Like you don't understand what is happening to you. You don't understand the adults around you. You don't understand the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you just end up in that state. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. I was so young, so green. I didn't. Mm. understand any of that i really was just trying to get on day to day yeah mm. okay what when was it for you for me um anxiety was my was always my thing mm-hmm. so from a very very young age and again completely not understanding what i was feeling or what i was going through and very very early Back then, I mean, no one talked about anxiety then, you yeah. know, or just mental health in general. And I was like, yeah, oh, I know, he's just nervous or he's excited. Okay. And I didn't understand why I always had these incredibly huge feelings of what I know now to be anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, oh, no, no, yeah, okay, he's excited. Okay, if I'm so excited, why do I feel like being sick? You know, why do I feel like vomiting? Why do I feel like shitting myself? Why do I feel like I need to like go piss my pants straight away? What age is this? Um, I'd probably say the first, like the first kind of memories are around that nine, ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely feel like I probably had it a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, but they were like the first times of, yeah, like why do I feel sick in the stomach? Why do I feel like a bit, you know, short of breath? And why do I feel like, yeah, I'm going to vomit? And it was always just brushed off by everybody as, oh, you're just a bit excited or you're a little bit nervous. And it's, which is totally normal, you know, human emotions. Yeah. But when it gets so bad that you actually do physically vomit or you do have some kind of like physical reaction and have it quite regularly, it becomes more of a problem. So it's pretty overwhelming. So it's super overwhelming. And, I mean, I just pushed it to the side and just was like, well, that's that's who I am or how I function or or what I do. It was just normal. Tried to normalize it. Tried okay. to normalize it. And unfortunately, through trying to normalize it, I never really understood it mm-hmm. and never really dealt with it. You know, so, and 
I don't know if it like for you, like you mentioned, like your family was, I suppose, your trigger and those series of events with your family. Like, I don't know that I had, I can't really remember the first specific event or trigger that happened to me. I just know that I was having it from such like a young age that everything that I did became a trigger or became an event. Or, you know, I remember being sick on a bus, like on the way to school camp, like, was I just anxious or was I having motion sickness? Who fucking knows? All I know is before I got on the bus, I was anxious as fuck, mm-hmm. you know, and I was feeling sick in the stomach, you know, the whole fucking lead up to it because I was, yeah. yeah, talk about like ruminating, talk about overthinking, talk about the what ifs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was an active kid. Like I did heaps of things. I went on camps, went on school camps, went on like all other things. I just pushed through that feeling of that overarching anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I never really even called it anxiety until I was well into my adult life. Yeah. Did you ever, did you call yourself depressed? It wasn't until um, I ended up having to seek help or was, I can't remember if I was somehow forced to seek help, whatever, when I was like, um, yeah, 15, 16. 15. 15, yeah. And how, how did you seek help at that age? Did you go to your like doctor, GP, psychiatrist, psychologist? Um, I think one of my parents ended up taking me in yeah. to, yeah, because I was pretty down and yeah, was put on, um, what's it called? SSRI. SSRI, yeah. And um, yeah, had therapy for like, I don't know, maybe it was like six months or something. Yeah. Do you feel like that helped at that point in your life? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say it's such a long time ago. Mm. I remember like not really liking therapy and not feeling like it did a lot at that point. Yeah. And I remember the SSRIs felt made me feel like super detached from mm. reality, like just kind of numbed everything. Didn't really necessarily make me feel better. So I could like function. But yeah. I felt like overall it was probably I think what I needed to look at was my circumstances more than anything else, mm. as opposed to just being pushed onto something like that at such a young, young age. Mm. I feel like it probably wasn't the best idea to be honest in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it is such like a young age to, it's very hard to go to a therapist at that young age and very hard to talk to anybody and very hard to, yeah, really understand. And it takes a lot longer than six months mm-hmm. to yeah. kind of come to grips. I don't think that I really could have understood it uh, if I saw a therapist at that age, like I didn't, I didn't see a therapist. The first therapist I saw, I would have been, well, well besides one of my friends by like, acting like a therapist, he was like a youth worker, mm-hmm. kind of being like my first little unofficial therapist. Um, yeah, I probably would have been like 23. And yeah. even then, it was still kind of hard to be receptive of having a, a therapist. Do you think that, you dealt with that issue when you were 15 or do you think it then led into the rest like into your young adult life and the first half of kind of like your 20s? I think it definitely led in. Um, I think for me it was something where I needed to change my circumstances as opposed to Mm. like, I don't think it was something that was just naturally inside of me. It was to do with external factors which I had no control of because I was a fucking kid. Yeah. And it was something that did pop up again later in, in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just remember going into that like <laughs> the therapist's office, going to the psych's office and just being like, this place is fucking depressing. Yeah. 
Like, how do you bring kids in here? And yeah. you're like, it was, yeah. So I mean, like that whole a, ordeal was like not fun. Yeah. It really put me off the idea of ever doing it again, to be honest. Mm. Was it like a stale environment? Stale, not- sterile, just like people I was chatting to just I felt yeah. like there was no connection. And yeah. I just felt like I did. felt like, you know, like an alien walking into like a different yeah. fucking world. Of like, course. There's, there's, no, there's no connection here. Did you feel misunderstood? Like no one understands you? No, like you felt alone? Yeah, I think it was just like, it was kind of, yeah, that kind of feeling was kind of all-encompassing. And the fact that I had no control over so many factors in my life because I was a kid, mm. um, I felt like I had no power to really change what needed to be changed to make yeah. myself happy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have said previously that you were kicked out of home. Mm-hmm. Did that improve or um, improve your circumstances or did that make it worse? Um, it, in a weird way, it improved it. I was living, ended up living with like a friend and his family and he had like incredibly supportive parents who were really good at like setting out boundaries but not being too kind of over the top. And mm. yeah, that, in that way it improved. But the feeling of being rejected by my mom was yeah. super difficult to Massive. overcome because that was just like, I had no contact with, yeah. you know, the, the female, the feminine figure in my life at that yeah. time. Yeah. So I remember being super depressed at that point as well. Um, but it's funny in a weird way, the circumstances actually improved because I had like a somewhat normal, more of a normal kind of like um, home life being living with my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, not to psychoanalyze and <laughs> you probably do need to talk to an actual professional, but that would have affected how you interact with females in your life. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, for it sure. all stems from, you know, mum and family life and stuff like that. Do you felt do you feel like it would have been harder to connect with females after? Or was it the aspect of because you couldn't connect and you were rejected by your mum, you had something to prove to to girls? God, that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I've done a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I get uh I feel like the thing that taught me the most was that our that parents aren't like I think before all that I thought it was mm. of my parents as like these like all knowing like mm. just like beans and then it kind of made me realize like they're just damaged people just like me and realizing that made me grow up a lot yeah and realizing like I don't have anyone else to fall back on I have to kind of have my own back of and course yeah in terms of my relationship with women like I think I always had pretty positive relationships but I yeah. think there was I think I mentioned this maybe in a previous episode like the rejection thing yeah. was like super like I couldn't so if a girl rejected you yeah it was like yeah yeah or if I was with someone and like it was going to end even though like I might have even wanted it to end it would be like so hard to end yeah. to let go because yeah. it's like the whole thing Val- of, of, validation yeah and yeah I understand that I mean that I think that's a pretty normal human thing anyway and then to have it exacerbated with, I suppose, the mum stuff and female relationships, yeah, probably would have affected it. Yeah, And re- like, you know, again, not to <laughs> come back to female relationships, but you've only been in uh, like a few longer term relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what's the longest relationship you've been in? Like three years, yeah. Three years. But that was a long time ago. Yeah. Every relationship since then has been like a year. Or- a year. But yeah. a lot of that I don't think is to do with much more than the fact that like I've been like highly active and what I've been doing 
in my life. Yeah. I've been living here, living there, moving around. Yeah, yeah. Not really having the space for that another person. I understand that. And like, or connecting with someone, but then realizing it was not like, you know, yeah. the right thing and, and moving on from it. Yeah. Those events affected your female relationships later on? Yeah. Well, I'm actually like just having a second to think about it. Maybe it was actually, in a way, it kind of always made me want it, like need to have a constant connection with someone. Mm. And if I lost that, I would kind of need to replace it constantly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I maybe struggled for a long time, um, especially in my early 20s to be alone. Mm. Like, would, you know, if I didn't have someone that I was seeing or like emotionally connected to, I would really like… Or on the go. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like just be like kind of freaking out and like yeah. feel, yeah, a certain sense of emptiness or something. So maybe yeah. that is kind of intertwined. I think that's pretty common though. That's a super common thing. It is? Yeah. That's I think, good to know. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I'm pretty fucking guilty of that too. Yeah. You know, and I've got great female relationships in my life. Yeah. Um, you've rarely been single. I've never been single. Pretty much. I've, and again, if I wasn't, in an actual relationship, I've always been seeing someone. Yeah, right. Besides 12 collective weeks in my entire life. Well, that's pretty crazy. Makes Which me is, feel a lot better then. Yeah, from from like 17. That's wild. Crazy, right? Well, maybe I'm really fucking good at being alone then. If maybe that, you If are. that's the benchmark, yeah. I'm killing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that for me, that was that was part of my... Um, self-destructive part of my mental health. Yeah. Which is, yeah, okay, depression was like a bit of a sub thing that kind of came along with the anxiety mm-hmm. that I always did feel quite down on myself and didn't know how to deal with it, that I was always looking for things to kind of mask how I felt. Yeah. So always looking for that dopamine rush, always looking for that fill, always looking for that, you know, feeling yeah. to mask the fear, the anxiety, and every kind of bad feeling I had about myself. So I did use, you know, and a shame, not a shame to say it, but I know it's just part of my story of using sex to mask how I felt, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the, yeah, not being alone, always having a girl, always, you know, fucking five nights a week, <laughs> different. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. Like, you know, at, at different points, having a few... But like just regulars, like rotating. Yeah, right. And I think for me, I was just, yeah, masking what I was actually feeling inside instead of actually dealing with it. Yeah. And although, and you know, like, yeah, there was drugs, there was partying, um, there was drinking. I never really had like a massive problem with drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really had like a massive problem with drugs, but like, you know, I was doing coke quite a lot. Yeah, right. You know, okay. through through certain stages of my life. Alcohol was never really, I was never like a really big drinker anyway. You know me, <laughs> I'm like two and I'm <laughs> done. I'm like, I got to go home. <laughs> I can't do this. So, But yeah, I think that self-destructive part of myself made all my anxiety worse. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it did lead to a bit of like a boiling point where it all got too much. When was this? This was about four years ago. Just oh. though, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, when I met Lola as well, yep. uh, it all literally just got too much where it boiled over so badly that I couldn't stop having panic attacks. So, I'd, I'd had a panic attack like uh, very early on meeting Lola and it happened in front of her 
And even then, I didn't really have a full grasp and understanding of what I was going through and what I was feeling. I just knew I had anxiety and panic attacks, but I didn't know that it could turn into this actual panic disorder right? of having them fucking nonstop. And then I actually got on a flight. I was like going to Sydney for like a riding camp mm-hmm. and I fucking had a panic attack like on a one-hour flight to Sydney and I dropped a fucking diazepam and I accidentally, like I fell asleep on the poor girl next to me. <laughs> she was really kind about it, but I just like passed out. But from that like week, yeah, it turned into like a massive issue for me for, for a good fucking three years after that where I was having panic attacks constantly like every day for six months straight. Like there wasn't days where I wasn't having panic attacks. How long does that last? A panic attack? Yeah. It, it lasts from like minutes, a couple of minutes, like 15 minutes. And then it goes through a cycle and then I'll have another one. And then like, so it's just constant during the day. So if I had to leave the house, I would have a panic attack. If I had to do anything, I have a panic attack. If my phone fucking rang, I'm having a panic attack. If I, yeah, something's coming up in a day, a week, a month, whatever, I'd be overthinking it and having a panic attack. So it literally impacted my life. But even then, I wasn't, I wasn't fully dealing with it. I was, yeah, seeing my therapist and stuff like that. And, but I wasn't really on top of it. I was probably still a little bit self-destructive mm-hmm. in my own kind of way. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I had to go through a whole process of treating it of doctors and I went down every single path of treatment. So like naturopaths and natural and everything. And um, in the end, I, I did end up going on um, like SSRIs as well, which yep. are an, like antidepressants, but also anxiety medication. Mm-hmm. And that, that 100%, the mixture of everything that I did do was the only way of me getting on top of it. So I don't think that I would have been able to get on top of it and function without doing absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a whole process to it. It's a whole fucking process. And yeah, I don't I don't think that a single thing that I did on its own would have helped. I think it was literally and I like I've gone to um what do you call it? Where they uh like hypnotists. Mm-hmm. I've even gone to like a hypnotist, like everything. Is that legit? As in like, did you find you could actually be hypnotized? I, I don't know. I really, I don't know. I like, I felt good after it. Right. So I don't know if it's one of those like psychosomatic like treatments or whatever. But um, one of my friends went to it for smoking and he walked out and never, and I mean, he did eventually start smoking again. But um, <laughs> immediately after he stopped. No, well, for he, a he stopped for six months. Wow. So he stopped for six months and then he just got drunk one night, smoked a cigarette. But also, I've known some other people who have quit smoking from uh, seeing a hypnotist. So I don't know. There's potentially some sort of validity validity, um, Mm. in it. How was your, like you talk about treating your depression at the 15-year-old mark, Mm -hmm. but it kind of, even at that age, really does leave a mark on you. Like I know for me, it left a big mark on me in my young age. It went into like my adult life. How did it play into your adult life? Um, well, I went through another really intense bout of depression in my early 20s. Yeah. Um, it was once again, it felt quite circumstantial. Like kind of was in a decent spot and then through some, yeah, I think went through a breakup and 
uh, lost a job and then like yeah. I hated the place I was living at and then like all these things just kind of happened all within the same kind of month and I had like a full breakdown and yeah. I ended up moving back home actually um, at 22. With your parents? With my mom, yeah. yeah. So we'd obviously at that point, we'd reconnected and, and patched things up and had like a good relationship or mm. a civil relationship at least and I ended up coming to her and being like, I am fucking, just, yeah. I'm, I'm broken, I, I need help and she was there and it was like, it was actually really good because it helped kind of patch things up. Yeah. Um, and I moved home for I think a good two, two and a half years. Yeah. And I started, I was back on SSRIs for a little bit. Yeah. And kind of realized that therapy was kind of better than the medication mm. and kind of continued with that for a bit. Um, and then, yes, I think I was around the age of 22 and then 23, I kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. I turned, a, I turned a page and I ended mm. up like having like one of the best years of my of my life at 23. And really? Yeah. I ended up moving to Bali, starting a business. Yeah. I did all this crazy shit and I, it was off the bat of all this like stuff that like, you know, where I was at the point where I was like, I'm just going to fucking neck myself. Like, yeah. I was like, what, what am I doing? Why am I here? Like, um, I remember like going through those feelings at the time and then, yeah, I think within a year kind of like just change everything I needed to change to make myself feel better and yeah, manage to get off the the meds and also like, I discontinued the therapy and, and kind of like kicked mm. a bunch of stuff off. Did you do anything else besides the therapy and the meds? Like, did you do any other healing modalities, any other treatments? No. What, what, I, what, did, what did you do? Really? I wasn't really aware of anything else. Uh, other than that, it was just like training a lot. Yeah. I changed my job. I changed my circumstances. I, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff that just made me feel better, gave me more purpose, I guess. Yeah. And that was like a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, I think at 22, I was just like a bit lost and, kind of floating and I was like, what am I meant to be doing? Well, no one knows themselves at yeah. 22, 23. Yeah. And I was probably partying a bit and just not, yeah, it didn't have like a good trajectory. Were you self, were you, um, destructive? Like self-destructive? Like partying? Yeah. I remember doing a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. Still, yeah. I remember like, yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of got away with quite a bit, which is good. Mm. <laughs> and I was, like when you are in those states, you kind of… It is a lot of that risk-taking behavior yeah. and that self-destructive behavior. Even for me, like I smoked. Yeah, I from, remember when we met, you were a heavy smoker. I was a heavy smoker and I smoked like from when I was a child to legitimately, I think like 32. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was my highest form of self-destructiveness. Yeah. Because I like I hated myself. I was like, well, I'm just going to slowly like, you know, it's like a slow death to fucking... Yeah, you know, shorten my life to get out of like what I felt, and for me, I realized that yeah, it was such a such a thing, like a self destructive thing, and I fucking love smoking. <laughs> I'd be punching darts twenty four fucking seven. You'd be coughing twenty four seven. I'd as be well. coughing as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That and that was that was fucking hard to give up. Like it really, it took so much mental work for me to give up smoking, but as well, smoking was. When I was anxious, it was what I was doing. So I was like anxious, up, oh, have a cigarette. You know, I oh, feel good, have a cigarette. Like, Do you think it also helped with the artist, artistic side of what you were doing in terms of like writing? The anxiety or the smoking? The smoking. I don't know. I don't know if it makes you more uh, creative. but Not creative, but like, does it allow you to like, nicotine allows you to concentrate and like really totally. tune in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, nicotine itself um, does give you that weird... 
maybe not weird, but does give you that sense of a little bit of kind of focus. Yeah. Whether it's because it's, you know, hitting your dopamine or it's hitting whatever receptors or the, um, I think, you know, you actually have nicotine receptors in your brain. Yeah, right. You know? okay. So it's the same as, um, you know, your brain has like uh, opioid receptors and cannabinoid receptors and stuff like that. So yeah. you, you have receptors in your brain. So there's got to be some sort of science to having nicotine and there's a lot of like um what do you call it you know like the dave asprey uh biohacker kind of people okay they actually take like nicotine in drops Mm -hmm. but smoking as a form itself is fucking horrendous for you it's all the other chemicals and you're actually smoking a plant like it's bad for you yeah yeah but i think nicotine yeah it probably in itself in its pure form would give you some sort of focus well, yeah, it's used in so many other modalities, like such as uh, harpe, which is like a jungle mm. tobacco, which is a snuff, and you get it like yeah. blown up your nose. And yeah. my God, that is an incredible heart opener. Yeah. Like for someone like me that, you know, I sometimes have trouble opening up, like, fuck, give me on that stuff. And I'm just like crying. crying. Yeah, yeah. I've heard <laughs> One that. One of the only times I'll cry, yeah. to be honest. I've heard that. Um, I've never had it. But um, did, you, did you do any, like for me, I've written down other things like, breath work and all those kind of healing things. Did you ever know about that or ever do any of that stuff? Not too much on? later. I feel yeah. like the only thing that I really dabbled with was in my like when I was 23 and I was overseas Yeah, and I was living in, in Bali. Mushrooms were like legal. Yeah. And when we're doing mushrooms. Mushrooms legal in, in Bali? They were. Really? You could just buy them like over the counter. Wow. Um, you go buy a mushroom shake. Yeah. And I remember like I had my first kind of proper mushroom experience and I found like that was like pretty it kind of it feels like it kind of changes the way mm. that you think like yeah. after you have it even though like during the experience it wasn't necessarily having any kind of like crazy flashbacks any trauma or anything but like yeah. after the experience it was like fundamentally it just felt different like more calm in in some way and like yeah, yeah it it's it definitely it obviously has like a physiological effect on yeah. the, on the brain and, and I found that to be like definitely something that did assist me yeah. in my mental health journey yeah and obviously, we're not uh, recommending anything or we're not. Um, <laughs> but yeah. in saying that, that yeah. they are using mushrooms now to Absolutely. help treat people with PTSD about- or people who are going to, you know, maybe they are um, they're sick, they've got cancer, they've been yeah. given six months to live. Of course. And dealing with death, dealing with grief, dealing yeah. with these like really huge emotional things. Of course. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so well, I think even just on a base level, like they've known, like they know that mushrooms interact with your serotonin. Mm-hmm. So anything that's hitting your serotonin receptors is just automatically making you a little bit happier. Yeah, a little bit calmer, a little bit, I don't know, lighter. It changes like the pathways in your yeah. brain. Like sometimes if you have like an, a problem and you can't figure it out, whether it's like because you're studying something or it's a some kind of relationship in your life. And you just can't seem to figure out the yeah. next step. You can go and do this experience with my personal. <laughs> yeah. From my personal experience, you can go and have these experiences and then come back to it the next day and go, oh, yeah. I see like the next path forward. It's almost like imagine like uh, your head is like a snow capped mountain. Yeah. And every time you like, have a thought, it's like a sled going down. As those sleds go down, every t- each time you have a thought, it like, creates these grooves in the mm. snow and they get deeper and deeper and deeper and it's harder and harder to get out of those thought patterns. Yeah. And sometimes doing like a mush, like doing psychedelics 
it's like it snows again. It covers up all yeah. those those lines, all those pathways, and it yeah. allows you to create new ones. Yeah. So creating neuro pathways, and I think you know when they say it turns off like that automatic part of your brain to allow kind of new thinking. Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly what it does. And again, we're not recommending this. This is not um consult your healthcare professionals. <laughs> this is such a Byron topic. Like everyone talks about this. Personally, I've enjoyed microdosing in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just um, you know, a, a one tenth, one you know, kind of dose yeah. of what would be a trip. Yeah. So I'm not tripping, but I am having that heart opening feeling of having a mushroom. Yeah. Well, when you're microdosing, you're not meant to be able to actually, yeah, consciously feel anything. Yeah. But you do. It does allow you to pick up things quicker, learn things. Totally. Quicker. And I've always felt that, and I've always. I would always like eat a little bit of chocolate, go for a walk, and then come back and start work. Yeah, and I've fucking loved it. Yeah, I've absolutely like I loved it, and to the point where um I might have said it previously, but being able to actually get new work and new creativities come out from it, hundred percent. And I think it, it's given me this yeah new perception or helped me kind of drop a little bit of fear. But again, I've not, I've never had it to the extent of like a full spiritual experience okay. i've only had it to the extent of just enjoying uh the feeling of it and being feeling a little bit lighter on it yeah i yeah. i've had a pretty similar kind of experience microdosing um especially leading up to a fight once i mm. microdosed during the camp yeah and i just felt like i could learn things way quicker yeah in terms of like techniques and and yeah. like whatever yeah movement patterns yeah um yeah it's powerful stuff I want to talk about breath work a little bit mm-hmm. because I did a little bit of very early breath work in my 20s. Yeah. Not really fully understanding it. It's pretty good. Yeah. And it was, it, for me, it started with, um, I think it was honestly like a GP. Really? That was like, have you ever tried alternate nose breathing? Right. right. So I, I can't even fully fucking remember how it came about. But I remember I used to do that quite a lot and Mm -hmm. it it used to help settle my stomach, which is when I realized it was anxiety linked. And if you haven't done ultimate nose breathing, it's literally like a a yogic breathing where um, you just block one nose, you start, you know, on one side. So start on your left, breathe in for four, hold it, block that nostril, breathe out on the right for four. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, breathe in on the right, hold that, Breathe out on the left. And repeat. And repeat. And just keep going. And there's all these different breathing techniques, but that was the first one that I ever did. Yeah, right. And that helped me massively. And then in after that, when I was going through my full panic disorder, my naturopath, Jad Patrick, mm-hmm. legend, works at Pran Health in um, Pran in Melbourne. He started then running me through things like box breathing and all the other kind of breathing modalities that fucking helped me massively just to regulate my nervous system and also just to get me in a calmer headspace when I was feeling anxious and nervous. Yeah. And I think even if you don't have a problem with anxiety, even if you don't have panic disorder, any of those things, like they are such powerful fucking things to do. They're such powerful tools and it's like, it's so easy. So easy. It doesn't require anything. Yeah. Just you and some air. And you and some air. And I think we forget even just how to basic breathe. I know, yeah. And, you know, 100%. for me, I only breathe through my diaphragm now. Mm-hmm. I barely like, I, I go into my chest only when I need it, but everything starts from my diaphragm. And to the point where I can 
breathe one breath per minute now. So literally like I'll be breathing in for 20 seconds and then holding it and then breathing out for 20 seconds. Yeah, right. And literally my heart rate just like fully drops and I'm just in this like zen state. And I can do that while I'm walking, while I'm sitting in front of the TV. I can do that in bed. I can do that fucking anytime without anyone ever realizing. Yeah. And really the only time I'll breathe through my mouth is when I talk constantly like on a podcast because <laughs> you are trying to get short breaths in. But other than that, I won't get short breaths in. I'll always take long, slow breaths. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. I remember getting into um, some Wim, Wim Hof stuff, mm. um, Wim Hof breathing when it was more for kind of surf. It's more surf related, like being able to hold my breath on the water and have that yeah. confidence in bigger surf. And then I remember going through uh, a breakup a couple of years ago where I, the one I got cheated on, it was like yeah. super, super, um, yeah, it was pretty hectic and to the point where I, I think I, I kind of had a panic attack yeah. at one point. And I yeah. didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. I remember coming home and just being like, yeah, I couldn't breathe and I felt like I was having a fucking heart attack and my house was like, it feels like it. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I was just like, uh, I don't know. I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember doing Wim Hof breathing before that session and it like fully just like brought me back. I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. But I understand that the gym for you brings you into the present. Yeah. Which is, I suppose, the whole the purpose of mindfulness and even breathing, you know, just kind of brings you into that present moment and focusing on your body. So yeah. for me, breath work was massive mm-hmm. and I, I don't go a single day in the week without actively breathing or mindfully breathing at some point. Yeah. And even if I'm sitting in front of my computer, I'll do some, without even realizing half the time, I'll just do some of the breathing exercises because why fucking not? It's great for you. Are you doing some, um, do you practice a bit of meditation as well? Yeah, every morning, 15 minutes. That's really do good. a little meditation. And then like while I'm in front of the computer, I simply do the, um, I'll do like the slow breathing in and then a little bit of hold. And then I do the second breath and then I do another hold and then a really long exhale, but all through my nose, never through my mouth. And that for me is my ultimate breathing technique of, of calming down my nervous system. Okay. Yeah. And also just training yourself and, you know, when you aren't thinking about breathing, your body just kind of goes on automatic or goes back to that automatic um, diaphragm breathing instead of shallow chest breathing, which is fucking shitty for panic attacks because you already feel like you can't breathe and then you're like shallow breathing through your fucking chest and then you still can't get oxygen and you're like getting dizzy and you're like, oh, I'm going to fucking pass out. Like this is the day. This is the day I'm going. Someone delete my browser history. (laughs) You know? Because every panic attack, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, every intense. panic attack I've ever had. I'm like, well, that's that's my time. I'm like, I've had a good run. See you later. Yeah, it's, it's the most bizarre thing. Like, I couldn't imagine going through that as many times as you did. Yeah, it's fucked. The one time where I just like started to feel that a little bit, like it was the fucking scariest thing. Yeah. Because it's like you have no control. Yeah. It's so fucking bizarre. All right. Let's... Um, Let's kind of get to the end of this because we've talked a lot about it. <laughs> you know, let's wrap up though. Where are you today with your mental health? Like, do you do you do you happy where you are? Do you think you got more work to do? I've definitely got more work to do. Yeah. Um. I mean, having you know the fact that I recently recently went through like a pretty significant breakup. Yeah. It's been like uh, it's been a testing few months. Yeah. And it's definitely I had to like reach back into you know my bag of tricks and pull out you know meditating every yeah. night. Oh man, I definitely feel the times, the nights that I meditate, the next day I feel so much better. So I'm oh, trying yeah. to keep that practice like going. 
and just going through that those motions of dealing with that grief yeah. the grieving yeah. process of losing someone that you know you kind of saw yourself being with for a long time yeah but overall like you know knowing that i've gone through so many things like this and having all those tools has been like pretty um mm. it's been pretty it's a different experience totally yeah mm. yeah what about you um look i'm massively improved from where i was 4 years ago and probably at the best point in my life now mm-hmm. emotionally i still have anxiety triggers that i have to be aware of but i fucking love all the treatment i've done i've loved where i've come from i love that it's now probably given me the tools to work and excel to the next level in life. So I yeah. don't think that I would be where I am today if I didn't do all of that work. Yeah, I got you. You know, because like we do some scary shit and it's like even little as like working for yourself, like it's fucking scary. Yeah. And if you, you can't kind of regulate your emotions, you can't regulate your mental health, like it's fucking hard to be in that space. Yeah. And I see it with so many people even just around us that don't deal with that and they get so stuck in their ways and they can't hold down jobs and all that kind of thing. It's like just, you know, and they're drinking and partying and doing all that kind of shit yeah, and wonder why, behavior. self-destructive and wonder why aspects of their life fall apart. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for me, I like I'm at the best point where I've probably ever been and I love myself the most that I've ever loved myself. Oh, but it's true. That's you know, like I feel good about myself or confident about myself. Like I don't feel, you know, a- any like shitty feelings where before I was, you know, constantly comparing myself and they're having anxiety about life and the future and the past. And oh, I said this eight years ago to some fucking random or like, <laughs> you know, like when you, <laughs> when it's like, um, you know, you're sitting in a restaurant, it's like, enjoy your food. And you're like, you too. And you're like, fuck, why did I say that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And you think about when you're an anxious like person, but I have no, I have no anxious attachments. I'm not anxious avoidant. I'd have like all these relationship things and actual anxiety parts of myself are, are really in a good fucking space. You That's know? amazing. And shout out to Lola because um, she's been a great fucking partner. Mm-hmm. You know? All right. We're going to end this episode with list of our own game changers. Yep. So things that these are just for you and I, these, this isn't advice. But the things that we have loved and have really fucking helped us. Mm. Kick it off. I know what you're going to say first of all. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say psychedelics. Psychedelics. Specifically mushrooms or peyote. Yeah. Um, yeah, doing that in like a, in the right setting and environment yeah. has been incredibly helpful for me. Yeah. The change, it feels like it's changed the way that my mind yeah. kind of functions. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like we need to do a whole episode on psychedelics, yeah. honestly. We need like an expert or someone to come on. I, um, I've i never done uh, ayahuasca, but I have seen someone. I have been in the room with someone who did do ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And that was that was uh, incredible to watch. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely that probably needs a bit more. And I do know they are researching and exploring, you know, mushrooms and MDMA and yep. all those other kind of things to help with. And even ketamine with like non-treatable depression um, or treatment-resistant depression, I think they call it. Yeah. So that's great. For me, uh, therapy is a massive game changer. Yeah. So literally having someone, and I think therapy can be adapted into like a coach, um, 
a mentor. Just a mentor, something or a person that can give you a different perspective and some guidance in life. Mm-hmm. And don't fucking get like some dumb cunt <laughs> mentor. Like if if they're fucking giving you advice about love life and they got the shittest fucking love life. <laughs> don't fucking take advice, bro. Or like they, they're giving you like, you know, advice how to be successful in business. Like check their fucking bank account before they start giving you like <laughs> financial advice. That's my theory anyway. No, I think that's good. Right? Never, never trust a skinny chef. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've written down SSRIs. Personally, my experience with them hasn't been super positive. Yeah. But I can see that within yourself. Yeah. It has been. For me, definitely been super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just taken my baseline anxiety down. Yeah. And has helped all the other... Mo- I don't feel that disconnect. I'm on, I'm on I suppose, a fairly low, low dose. Uh, I don't feel that disconnection. I don't feel that numbness. I actually feel like it. it's helped me lift a little bit of that... Um, a bit of a fogginess off me. Mm-hmm. And um, brought that baseline anxiety down... Uh, for me so yeah okay and then uh, breath work breath work I, I'm pretty surprised that you discovered that at like 20 mm. I think crazy. I think probably like 20 23 23 is probably about then yeah that's yeah. something I've only really like discovered in the last like 3-4 years so yep. yeah it's incredibly good and it's something that you can access easily yeah. I think another big thing um, was creating context mm-hmm. and also removing ourselves from certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know for you, your circumstance was leaving home, mm-hmm. uh, removing yourself from you know that environment. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Once you identify that, there is so much you know validity in doing that. Yeah, where there's just no point being in a fucking space that's going to make you constantly depressed and anxious. Right. Yeah, no hundred percent. Um, and then I think support network is a massive one. Massive. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you need your people. Yeah. Family, friends. Yeah. Removing yourself from, you know, toxic people. Yeah. Well, that's a fucking massive one, you know, yeah. and even one that um, I've gone through in the last six months. Yeah. Where I've had 100%. to, you know, yeah. w- walk away from certain friendships and relationships that really just weren't serving me. It was actually kind of making me… Um, quite making make me upset to be honest yeah you know and that was creating anxiety and creating those kind of feelings what's your support network like do you have your your go-tos yeah i'm best mate sim yeah simba he's like always he's probably the person on this earth that knows the most about me yeah he knows all the deep dark secrets yeah well you've had one of the longest friendships with him <laughs> yeah yeah and then i've just got like all my mates like you lola like yeah. toby my mum and dad yeah my brothers, yeah, I have a really incredible network of people that you yeah. know fucking care for me, and, and it means so much to me. Yeah, yeah. We've also got um, <clears throat> exercise and hobbies on this because yeah, you, you're a big gym junkie. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Like that's like surfing and training, and that's yeah. like they're for me like they they're like yeah game changers. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't really get like a specific joy out of it, <laughs> but I will go and do it. So I will go to Pilates. Because I know that I should go to Pilates, but and you I feel always fucking amazing afterwards. Of course, right? I feel yeah. good, but yeah. I, I'm like the whole time. I'm like, this is fucked. This is fucked, and I'll be there looking at Laura in class, going, "Fuck you!" Like, <laughs> my ass hurts. But what about um, when you go into like a really tough time? Like I find if I'm going through something really like like a breakup, for example, it's so good being in that gym yeah. and just like especially the boxing gym and just like being in pain. But like yeah. I can't focus on anything else anything right now. Else. Yeah, exactly. Except 
this fucking this drill not getting hit right now yeah and like that is like that escape yeah mental space yeah. is so important um i will also say last week i went on my first run oh yeah on the like 35 degree on day. On a 35 fucking degree day. Oh. I'll, I'll give um Lola's quite, I'll give him a shout out. His name's Joe Wicks. One mm-hmm. of Lola's like good friends. He's from the UK. He's like, he does like PA with Joe. Like the queen gave him an, a fucking award. And he put on his Instagram, who wants to come for a run? And like 200 people in Byron rocked up. And we all ran to the lighthouse together. And purely for the fact no. that I didn't want to be that, like that pussy up the back stopping and walking I pushed through and I fucking ran from the beach hotel to the lighthouse from the beach oh no way and I honestly wanted to fucking die (laughs) I was sore for days but and then we walked all the way back which was kind of like a nice relaxing walk but fuck me that was hard was it like five six kilometers I think it's five k's I think it's like five k's on the dot yeah five k's but like 30 percent or more is like uphill yeah yeah Oh my god! You're uphill like and upstairs. stairs. Stairs. No. The the very end stairs at Water goes to the top. That mm. was where I had to completely slow down. And yeah, I I actually wanted to be wanted to be sick. But anyway, I made it, and I was sore for days. That's rough. Another thing on the list is finding purpose. Yeah, I so think not kind of ties into like um, context and like setting, you know, as well. Yeah, it's like just changing things around you to yeah find more meaning. Yeah. I think for me, it was just like not sitting around and just doing the same old fucking shit. Like, yeah. Actually, like, discover what you're passionate about, discover what your purpose is. Like, not in your whole life, but maybe just right now. Yeah. You know, may- maybe it is that you, w- you want to help people. Maybe it is like finding a hobby or joining a fucking men's group or making fucking woodwork or I don't know what it is. I think you just got to find something. A hundred percent. Right. And yeah. you just, and if it doesn't work, try something different, you know? Yeah. He's looking at the list. This is one that I've written down. Do you want me to take this one or do you want to, um, you can just add in. If, if only I could read your handwriting. Matt. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is the last thing on the list. And, and this is probably one thing that has really come up big for me. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've always known in my heart and I've always thought about for years. And then just recently through a lot of books that I've been reading and a lot of um, self-discovery in the last, you know, six months and stuff like that, probably a year mm-hmm. has really started to make a lot of sense. And I've read it in books and it's made, it's put my feelings into, into words and it's removing your identity from self. So dropping your ego mm-hmm. and also dropping, you know, your story or your victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I mean by that is that we love misery. We love being sad. We, our bodies just, fucking love being in that state. Romanticize it. We romanticize it. And, you know, we something happens to us and then that becomes our story. So yeah. I'm Matt. I have a panic disorder. I'm medicated. I'm medicated. This person hurt me. That <clears throat> exactly. person did this to me. So that's my story. Yeah. And I fucking love, you know, like the, the ego part of myself doesn't want to let that go because if I let that go, who am I? I'm ordinary. And it's I'm also- nothing. You don't, it's also good, like, it's attractive because you don't have to take responsibility. Of course. And you're like, oh, no, this thing happened. Yeah. And therefore, I get to act like this and yeah. I'm the victim. And everyone around me, oh, poor Matt, you know, he's got a, a panic disorder. Yeah. He's medicated. We should all feel a little bit sorry for him. It's like, 
I don't ever want to be like that in life. Yeah. And there was a time in my 20s where I let that, you know, even maybe in no, probably in my late 20s where I let that become my identity. Yeah. And the biggest fucking learning curve as well was seeing it happen to people and friends around me and really just trying to help them and be like, you need to drop this sense of fucking identity. And when we say ego, ego doesn't mean like, you know, I'm a sick cunt kind of thing. It's they, they refer to it's ego like, as kind of like your identity. Yeah, idea of yourself. Your yeah, idea of yourself. So that's like a really fucking big thing for me mm-hmm. and something that I constantly work on and something that I constantly think about. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a happy person, but I don't focus on being happy anymore. I just focus on not being unhappy, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. So I'd always used to say I'm an unhappy person because mm-hmm. I just don't feel happiness and joy like I want to. Okay. So and that just would feed my unhappiness. Yeah. So now I'm just like, all right, let's just not have some negative thoughts for an hour or half an hour. Yeah. You know? And let's actually just get rid of them and see what happens. And then when I do look back on my day, yeah, I can I can honestly say, okay, that was a happy moment. I felt good then. I felt happy then. Yep. And instead of trying to make myself happy, all I did was, you know, not it, try to not be unhappy. Yeah. I know that sounds a bit didn't, counterintuitive. Didn't ruminate on like the negative Of shit. course, you just yeah. Went, okay, this doesn't feel good now. So let's move on from that. Yeah. And then and I think the next thing. Yeah. And I think that comes from like a, like, a, like a Frederick Nietzsche yeah. kind of thing about, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna, we'll find some references and whatever. But yeah, anything else you want to add on to that? I think that's it, mate. That was pretty um, deep and vulnerable. Yeah, we got. I feel a bit, a bit hot and sweaty right now. Let's go get okay, eat. I do smell a bit. Yeah, you do? All right. I'll get you some... Um, get that aircon on. Get some aircon on. All right. Thank you very much for today. Thank you, lovely people. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review. Yeah. We'd appreciate it a lot. Share with your friends. Send, drop Matt, in. send Matt a DM. Send him some nudes. He'd yeah. love that. Yep. All the dick pics. That's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, maybe some... Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Stop digressing that. Elias still needs a date. So we're still working on that. Oh, I think we need to have another dating episode. I think we need a dating episode and we need a psychedelics episode. Okay, fuck. There's so many episodes to do here. I know. Okay. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.